Hi, this is Pam and this is Must Love Food. Thanks for joining me. I have got John, Maddie and Robin here and we are going to walk through our fall 2022 issue, which hopefully is in your homes uh, now or just about to be. We are real excited about this issue. We have a beautiful cover shot here of a uh, chili, I believe it is, um, that Maddie developed. It is the uh, white chili with avocado. Yum. It was delish and it makes such a beautiful fall cover. And without further ado, just going to dive right in. Our, uh, oh yeah, our social for this issue was, uh, what were your favorite back to school snacks and uh, growing up? And so we kind of had fun with that. So if you care to share what your favorite school snacks are, jump over to Facebook or Instagram and let us know and be sure to tag us at cuisineathome.com. I will uh, say mine, mine were snowballs and Twinkies. And uh, really the snowballs was pretty much for the color and <laughs> then the the, um, the creamy frosting in the middle, but Twinkies, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I was never a big fan of Twinkies. I always liked the chocolate, the ho-hos or, you know, that stuff. But Twinkies just were not my favorite thing. I'm a vanilla girl. I I would always go with vanilla over chocolate and still to this day pretty much do. Um, I just love the nuance of, of vanilla in, in vanilla flavor. Um, I feel like there's much more nuancing to vanilla than there is to chocolate, but whatever. I mean, I, I don't dislike chocolate, but yeah, it's not what I gravitated towards. Um, and no surprise, Maddie, you picked pickles. <laughs> yes. And um, I had to share a little story because it was it always was something that I always thought about now was probably something that not everyone appreciated. But um, I think it, I believe it was second grader. So we did like a star student of the week. And so you brought in pictures and stuff that represented you and told a story and all that kind of fun stuff. And you got to bring a snack or something to share. And so, of course, I brought pickles and <laughs> I know it's not what everyone enjoys, including my husband. So I should have probably thought a little differently, but it was definitely a favorite. So, <laughs> well, and I guess if it, if it wasn't pickles, it would have been something chocolate. I'm assuming. <laughs> yes, probably so. <laughs> and um, John Chips Ahoy seemed to be your uh, big thing. Yeah, no, there's there's a reason I have this uh, big you know belly in front of me and. That's milk and packs and packs of Chips Ahoy cookies. So <laughs> I, 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 sometimes I would just limit myself to, you know, just one row of cookies after school. <laughs> <laughs> and Robin, you got in the kitchen making cookies. <laughs> yes. And boy, that was an adventure too. I'll tell you what, my girlfriend and I decided we would make cookies. And since we wanted enough to share, we decided to double the recipe. However, what did I know then? Uh, when you have a recipe that begins with five cups of flour and you go to double it, uh, that's, a, that's a yes. You can just imagine where this story is going. And in the middle of it, um, I did talk to my mom. My mom was at work and she's like, you're doing what? And just here, her voice was like this. No, I don't want to come home to this. <laughs> and yes, we had flour everywhere. And it was just was just a horrible mess and um yeah so i learned that you don't double recipes that start with five cups of flour and you had better have your kitchen cleaned up before your mama gets home from work or you just had better oh, do that's that a fact. 
yeah, definitely. But the cookies didn't turn out too bad considering it. We didn't know what we were doing and we gave it a good. <laughs> but life lessons, yes. Read there the you go. Doing and always clean up your good life lessons there. <laughs> there you go. Well, um, I think that uh, uh, all of these sound lovely and I. I would love a uh, Chips Ahoy right now, um, maybe even a pickle. <laughs> and uh, Maybe not together. No, I know. I was sitting there. Sweet <laughs> and salty. You never know. Chocolate and pickles. I was thinking that when we were talking earlier. I'm like, is there such a thing? Chocolate and pickles. I don't know. Could be another state fair food. <laughs> yeah, it's right. very true. I don't know. I'm sure somewhere in England they've deep fried it. Don't they deep fry like Mars bars and <laughs> at like uh mm -hmm. chip shops or something the state fair they do yeah sure um but anyway jump over to facebook and instagram if you care to share um what your favorite school snack is we'd love to hear what yours is and um i'm going to move into tips here uh one of our you know um favorite departments we are told and is there anything in particular that you um liked robin was is there like your number one Oh, I don't know if there's a number one. There's a okay. couple. Well, I would tell you one that surprised me the most. And that was when um, when uh, Paula Levine wrote in about the peanut butter and jelly. And so uh -huh. she didn't have jelly, but she did have a sweet potato. And so she roasted the sweet potato and um, onions and put that with the peanut butter. And I thought this just to me was not going to be a good combination, but I thought, well, you know, my job is to test these tips. So I did, and I found it was delicious. So, um, yeah, so she's saying, you know, roasted uh, vegetables with peanut butter is a good combination, and she was right. And it's a nice, healthy thing, and it was so good. I was very surprised. So Sort of like an adult PB&J-ish. <laughs> Yeah. Well, roasting helps uh, bring out some of the sweetness, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you caramelize the onions. So that's right. bringing out some sweetness. And it is sweet potato. So, yeah. Um, sweet, but not uh, not right. jelly. It was just a whole different right. taste. I didn't know what to expect. And sure. I was just really um, impressed with that. So, um, yeah, I really liked that one. It was good. I mean, I liked them all. But that one, I guess, was a surprise to me that well, I was I think, I don't know if this was, I don't think it was an Elvis thing. I'm pretty sure my mother did this and it might, um, it might make you all go, ugh, because it does me. Peanut butter and mayonnaise. Oh, Have you ever yes. heard of that? I've heard of that. I've heard of that too. Like, I think Wasn't that, yeah. Elvis peanut butter and banana? I yeah. think so, but he might have been mayonnaise too. I don't know. I was going to say, don't knock it till you try it, but <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel like my palate is telling me don't try it. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah. On the opposite page, John, the cover-up? Yeah, the cover-up. It uses the lid from the cake pan to present the cake on. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll probably mention this a lot uh, through this run-through, but um, this weekend I was judging at the State Fair, and we had this uh, cheesecake contest, and one of them, uh, one, somebody made little tartlets, no-bake cheesecake tartlets, and they presented them on this pale green glass, and as uh, many of the uh, writers, without getting into too much explanation, are even 
older than I am, I asked this woman next to me if this was depression wear, if this was class play was depression wear, and she said, I'm not so sure about that, but what it is is the cake stand that she's turned upside down and is using to contain all the tartlets, and it fit just perfectly. It had uh, nine little tartlets in there. It really? was just, yeah. and I mean, it wasn't like a tall cake stand by any means at all. Right. It was just literally uh, about a one-inch cake stand, and it was perfect. It was, just worked out so well, and it added to the presentation. So, what a great idea! Yeah. Sometimes it's just turning something over, looking at it a different way. Right. <laughs> I, and I didn't, I, once she told me that, I realized what it was, but I, I hadn't even seen it yet. I thought it was actually a lid for some sort of other glass mm -hmm. pot or mm -hmm. something, but no. It was cool. Yeah, it was cool. Well, what do they say? Necessity is the mother of invention? Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, I'm going to move into In the Now, and... Um, I am intrigued by the Yonana's classic original frozen fruit. I told you guys before, um, I had many, many moons ago in Princeton, New Jersey at a place called the Bent Spoon before um, kind of artisanal ice cream was sort of a thing. And they were sort of the first one. Um, and they had, and they had amazing flavors and just from scratch, be wonderful ice cream. But they had a soft serve um, machine there and they did soft serve banana and it was just straight banana. And I just love that idea. And that's what basically the Yonanas is, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. And it, I, I really was skeptical about how well it would even work, but it just worked like magic. It was right to a T and you would have a hard time distinguishing it from soft serve ice cream. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And I'll I'll just give a little nod to the Champagne Widows. It's just a charming, sweet little story. I mean, I'm a Francophile, so I I love that. But it's there's a little bit of history in it, and it's just a sweet story about a um, based on a true story. Um, there are so many um, widows in France that ended up running. Um, uh, champagne houses. And uh, part of that is because um, women at that time could not own anything unless you were a widow. And so they continued to run businesses after their husbands passed away. And um, and so this is a, uh, Rebecca Rosenberg, I believe, has written three stories. This is one of, of three. Isn't that right, John? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And this one was about Veuve Clicquot, um, one of my favorite champagnes. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, we are uh, doing that bit on Philo, and I changed it from uh, Philo Napoleon to the Millefier. Milfoy. Milfoy. Yes. Right. And I changed it on account of a comment in this book where um, towards the end she says, they're talking about this wonderful dessert layered with pastry and whatnot. And she said um, that they're calling it a Napoleon, but after this guy killed millions of people and bankrupted France and whatnot, she said, I can't honor his name by naming this dessert, you know, a Napoleon. So, and I, I did, I changed it from a Napoleon, which is probably better understood to 
milieu. <laughs> same thing, whether you call it one or the other, same deliciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of deliciousness, I'm turning the page to the craft of cooking with beer, and this is a seasonal kitchen. It's on craft beer, and um, there are three great recipes here. Uh, I'm just gonna I'll start and just say there's a beer cheese fondue. Um, beer and cheese um, are classic together. It's a lovely um, appetizer for kind of something you want to sink your teeth into sloppy joes with beef and sausage it's got some lager such as uh, sam adams boston lager it was delicious very very hearty but the pièce de résistance in my mind <laughs> is the chocolate stout bunt cake with whiskey ganache um robin you um developed these recipes and this was just such a good cake uh, the, all the recipes were really good it's, it's deep chocolate and it's moist and yeah, it's pretty good. And my granddaughters and I made this a while, not too long ago. And it's, they were like, what do you, what is this we're putting in? I'm like, well, nothing we're going to drink. We're just pouring it in the cake. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're just little girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, they loved it too. And they, so they wanted, they took it home and, uh, and shared it with mom and dad, but we had fun making it. I had fun making this and developing this. I am not, um, uh, I don't drink a lot of craft beer at all. And so this was a fun, fun thing for me to do. This recipe was fun to do because I do love a good bunt cake and, um, and I love chocolate. And uh, so it was a, a good combination. I was real happy with the way it turned out. And I loved the uh, whiskey ganache. Um, it's not overpowering with whiskey. It does just give it a little bit of a, um, a little panache, ganache, I guess you could say, um, <laughs> you don't have to put the whiskey in there. Just plain chocolate ganache on top is also good. So if you want to go that route, that is, that is good also. Um, but I was happy with it and it's kind of making me kind of want some chocolate cake right now. <laughs> yeah. Just that image alone. It was dense but yet not over dense it was you know had great flavor and like well-rounded and I actually really like the beer that you use period so <laughs> I thought yeah. you did great Robin well, so it was what fun. what would you say if somebody couldn't find the tip the cow cocoa espresso milk stout well I just still find I would look for a milk stout which that's what I was wondering be, mm-hmm. shouldn't be hard to find really and I found it, you know, at the grocery store and I just asked the guy there too, mm-hmm. just what, well, I'm really sure what I'm looking for. Cause I didn't really know a lot. Um, my other thought too, was to go to the, um, you know, you could also go to, I guess, a bar. Um, we have a craft brewery here in town. Sure. Sure. That was the choices to, to check there, but I would go with, if you can't find a milk stout, I would probably just go with a stout also, but but you should be able to find a milk stout. It doesn't have to be tip the cow espresso. Or the cocoa espresso or something. Yeah, there are chocolate stouts. I'm sure chocolate milk stouts or something. Yeah, It shouldn't be a problem to find that. And uh, um, in a lot of places, you can find them as single cans. So you don't have to buy Mm -hmm. a six pack. Or if you do, that just gives you more opportunity to make chocolate cake (laughs) and to drink them (laughs) along with it. (laughs) There you go. Some for the cake and some for the cook. <laughs> Always a good rule. 
right? But before we move on, I do want to say something. We had a little question come in about the sloppy joes. And okay. someone asked, what kind of ground sausage did I use? Well, I happened to use an Italian ground sausage in the sloppy joes. Um, I kind of like the kick that it used. But really, it just, it, you know, if you like ground sausage, that's a great place to put it in. And if you want something a little bit less picky, just put a ground sausage in there. It's fine. I probably wouldn't use like a breakfast sausage with a sage or something like that, but personal choice there. So just thought I'd throw that. Thank you. You're welcome. It's delicious. Let's eat cake, but maybe we can have soup. <laughs> maybe, maybe soup first and then cake. Well, I guess since we're talking about France, Napoleon, and now Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get into soup world. Um, Maddie, you've done um, uh, three soups here. You've got a the cover uh, soup that we talked about, white chili. Well, it's a soup stew, um, chili, whatever. Uh, white chili with avocado. And then there's a wild rice and vegetable soup and a potato leek soup. Um, all delicious. Yeah, um, we kind of wanted to do a wide range of different uh, soups this season. I mean, we every year we try to get a few soups in here. and um, they were all very, you know, easy to make, but delicious. Um, my favorite was probably the potato leek soup. It was uh, full of flavor, not too heavy, but still, you know, for a potato soup, you know, it's going to be hearty. But um, yeah, I think they all turned out great. Even the wild rice and vegetable is a pretty basic. I think, you know, mix and match whatever veggies you want to put in there as well if you don't like something um it's very forgiving <laughs> if you want to add a you know a, you know another meat or something to it as well um yeah but the chili was good too i liked that it was creamy and smoky from the um chilies being charred and so but we opted for turkey i think in that one just to kind of make it another lighter option instead of beef I, I did That's like the, feeling the the skin off of the chilies and how sometimes it does the skin doesn't all come off. That was that was a good point out too. I thought totally. But, and you know, and that's the thing too that it's like I know a lot of times when we call for it, it's like it is frustrating because you really want to make sure you get them all off, thinking it's going to make a big difference. And you know, it's okay if some stays on a little. <laughs> yeah, just, it's mostly it's just for your eating pleasure. So um, you're not having to wrestle with sort of skins as you eat the soup and yeah. Yeah, and sometimes it can be a little cheese. bitter. Right. So you try to get the most off, but if it doesn't quite work out that well, it's okay too. Yeah. Um, I could go for a bowl of that right now. Um, oh, next, Korean street food. And um, this was something that... Um, I know, John, you had worked on for a while and it um, uh, it, it ended up, I just think, really cute. Uh, I was watching something the other day and it was um, the discussion was about Korean food and it made me think of this article. Um, but you have quite the array here. And do you want to just kind of give us maybe yeah, an overview? Yeah, it's pretty or? Uh, broad. Well, overview is a good word for it. It's kind of runs a gamut of things. Um, that I've found actually on Korean menus and in on television shows from either Korean dramas or Korean comedies. 
Um, and so I really, it was a real learning curve for it. I think, um, and I wanted to make a point of that, that we're not, uh, we're, we I did this article so that I could um, learn myself. That's one mm -hmm. of the most exciting things for cooking for me, even after all these decades have passed, is that I'm still learning and, and cooking still provides that opportunity to, to learn new things and try new food stuffs. And that's really what this was about. But I think they're all really approachable. Um, I think I was using lotus roots a couple, I don't know, 20 years ago. But certainly not in context of Korean food. I, I, mm -hmm. I've seen it in uh, Chinese food and whatnot, or even Indian. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the pancakes I've had at restaurants, I, I will say that uh, these run a little thinner than what you'll find at restaurants. And um, so they're probably a little less filling, a little bit easier to uh, absorb into your uh, taste palette, mental palette. And then popcorn chicken Korean style is popcorn chicken, regardless of where it comes from. <laughs> it's just mm -hmm. crunchy, chewy wonderfulness. And uh, the spicy rice cakes ended up being, that was a real eye opener for me as far as I kept was kept thinking of rice cakes in terms of, well, crab cakes or this mm -hmm. cake or that cake. And I was looking for a patty of some sort. Mm -hmm as I went through the freezer sections. And no, these say rice cakes, but they sure look like uh, <laughs> styrofoam. <Pasta. laughs> or something. You know, little, little peanuts for packing, but and they turned out really uh, wonderful, really have a, a comfort food level of chewiness and uh, stick-to-itiveness, stick-to-your-ribs. If I remember, if memory serves me, they, um, were kind of um, or had the essence of being a little glutinous. Yeah, uh, there was that. some texture to them and and definitely some bite and stuff. But um, yeah, and I guess we would say that these are probably um, more appetizery kind of nibbles, street yeah. food kind of thing. Not yeah, they weren't really intended as meals by any means. Right. So. It was more about foray into the the world of Korean street food, and and here's a sampling, and um, we're learning right along with you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, well, and then so we go from something really new to something very classic, or at least I should say was new to us. But uh, this is one of my favorite stories: the Roman pastas, and um, there are four kind of classic Roman pastas, and there is some similarity between them. And I think you've done a nice job of sort of identifying the similarities and differences. And um, I'll just let you kind of jump in, John. Uh, yeah, this was <laughs> really fun and satisfying. In fact, I, I'm hoping we can run this story again real shortly. So uh, <laughs> it was really good to be able to uh, make this, practice it, um, and it does take a little bit of time or a little, a couple of run-throughs to get the sauciness of some of these with the, like, uh, particularly with the Grisio or the Cassio Pepe. And certainly um, the carbonara can be tricky at times. With the eggs. 
with the eggs and and but the amatraciana with the bucatini was you know with the tomato product in there it helps make it a lot easier and that's a good intro a good starting place for this mm-hmm. um, article in general i i do want to point out and it's not a big deal but the spoon on that image on 24 uh i grew up with that's that's a family spoon i don't know <laughs> oh that's sweet I saw it. I'm like, whoa! Where did where did Teresa find that? That was great. So, yeah, and and they're all they're so fast and they're so satisfying and they're so simple. And that's part of it is that their simplicity makes them satisfying. That's the key, simplicity. I mean, that's Roman mm-hmm. fare right there. And um, and then one other thing I wanted to kind of mention. I um, yeah, I mean, technique. Sometimes you're going to have to maybe sort of just it might not turn out quite as creamy as you want the first time. Just keep working with it. And um, these ingredients, just you, you're buying good ingredients um, because there's not a lot of ingredients, but they come together beautifully. The thing that I wanted to talk about was the guanciale. So guanciale is something that is traditional in three of these recipes, right? Uh, Gricia, um, yeah. carbonara, and amatriciana. And... Uh, you can use pancetta. There's a lot of debate on um, on that or not. There's something about guanciale. It's it's pork jowl, and it's it's definitely got bite to it, and it's very unctuous, is what I would call it. But it really does Good render yeah. a lot of fat, and it really does, I think, give these their unique flavor and more of their um, traditional classic flavor. So, and it's a lot easier to find now. It used to be much harder to find, but you can, um, you can definitely find it around whether it, whether it's a specialty market, but you found it at the, the grocery store, correct, John? Yeah, that's correct. And because it was, uh, relatively hard to find before the last couple of years here. Yeah. Um, that's why people were using pinchetta yes. because oh, yeah. it was the, For sure. the closest thing to it that you can readily find so right well and for us too um la quercia which is a national artisanal brand it's uh i think they got a big award from bon appetit years ago and i remember the owners telling me about this they just had sort of discounted it they kept getting a call from bon appetit that they wanted to do this photo shoot they were one of like the 10 top 10 um artisanal brands from the of the year and they just poo-pooed it, poo-pooed it. And finally, um, Bon Appetit called and said, no, this is a big deal. Like, we really want you to be included. We really want to come and photograph you. And I think they uh, did a photo shoot of the Eckhouses, Herb and Kathy, tossing a prosciutto between them. But their story <laughs> is they were living in, in um, Iowa here, ended up in Italy. And and Kathy had lived abroad. Um, she might have had lived in Italy. I know she lived in France at one time. But I think they lived near Bologna and they just they saw the cured meats and all of that kind of stuff. And they thought we could and should be doing this in Iowa. It's a huge pork producing state. We could do this in the States. And so Herb, when he was still working for the company, he was testing prosciutto um, curing in his basement and the kind of company was born. So anyhow, long story is they are a local company here and i know that they have an uh, an affiliation with hy-vee which is a, a grocery store here throughout the midwest and so i think that's how 
some of their products um, are more readily available for us here. But they, as I said, they are a national brand. And um, so anyhow, if you can find Guanciale, highly recommend it. If not, pancetta is okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's good, but yeah. Um, anyhow, lovely story. Um, mushrooms, they do a body good. I, I did this article. Uh, mushrooms are really hot right now. Um, and then I did a corresponding recipes in Faster with Fewer, which we'll get to later. But I didn't really know all of the nutritional benefits that uh, mushrooms had. And so, um, and it does depend on which mushroom. It does depend how they're cooked sometimes, whether they're going to deliver all of the, the nutrients. So if it's, sometimes it's going to be more if it's raw, if it's cooked and, and not. And as I said, certain mushrooms have more um, uh, or different benefits than others. But the other thing is, there are thousands of varieties of mushrooms. They're either farm-grown or harvested in the wild, but not all mushrooms are edible and some are poisonous. To be safe, it's best to stick with those mushrooms you can buy at the store or at a farmer's market. Highly recommend that. I have been with friends hiking and <laughs> some of them are like, oh, look at those puff balls. I'm like, I'm going to look at them, but that's all I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> I, morels are about the only thing I think I would would forest and trust harvest, you know? yeah trust <laughs> well the, the rule of thumb is you know you probably heard this there there's uh bold mushroom hunters there are old mushroom hunters but there are no old bold mushroom hunters <laughs> that's good that's really mm -hmm. good very fitting <laughs> yes <laughs> um okay here's an article that i just loved and or do love, I should say. Um, and that is uh, our chicken article. And um, Robin, you developed two um, whole roast chicken um, recipes. One is an Italian chicken with citrus milk sauce, and another is a French roasted chicken with herbe de Provence. And then you also did sort of a leftover um, recipe yep. and chicken and cabbage pasta and brown butter sauce. Anything of um, note you'd like to call out that's a lot of chicken it is a lot of chicken <laughs> but it's the season i mean there is really nothing i mean the the cut the the images here i think are just really beautiful i just think a roasted chicken is one of the simplest and most kind of like simple mm -hmm. clean pasta right. simple clean roast chicken well they they say uh, kind of like an omelet the way you kind of can tell a good chef is their roast chicken, their omelet, that kind of thing. The simpler the food, the more classic, that kind of thing, the better. Right. And so anyway. Um, and these chicken are, they are easy to do. They truly are at, you know, you can't go wrong with the chicken really when you're roasting it. Um, it's kind of fun. The Italian chicken with a cit citrus milk sauce, it's, ki it's a, kind of a cross between a roast and a braise. We do a little bit of both on that one. Mm -hmm. um, We've done um, a, a Italian milk cooked pork before. And so it is kind of a take on that. Um, and I had seen, um, I've seen Italian or a, a chicken and milk before. And uh, and so I tried it at home and I, and I, I loved it. I think the flavor is really good. So I wanted to do it for the magazine. Um, the thing that you need to know about this is that, and it, we made a little call out box on this, is that, you know what, that citrus sauce, milk, sauce is going to look a little bit curdly but don't be worrying about that because the flavor of it is not really curdled it's just 
the flavor is worth whatever. It's not the prettiest sauce you've ever made, but it is a delicious sauce and you are going to be loving it. So just don't mind it has little chunkies in it, if you will, because <laughs> the flavor is supposed to. I mean, don't be little don't, flavor bites. Right. Don't Bits. think oh, something has gone wrong. It hasn't. It's supposed to look like that. And you're right. Give you something to bite into and it's delicious. So uh, just be cognizant of that. But I will say if that bothers you and you don't want to say that, I have at home cooked like rice in there with it. Um, oh, mm-hmm. and it soaks up the liquid and makes Ooh. a delicious rice or or a, some kind of a, you know, pasta or something in there. It's another thought. But mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. Um, my, my point is don't be don't be concerned. Just enjoy it. And, you know, the other chicken with the herbs de Provence, gosh, I think that's kind of an underused um, herb mixture that one that I don't use enough. Um, And I really do like it. I think you can go overboard with it. It does have a little bit of lavender in there. And we know how John feels about lavender. He loves it. (laughs) I say with a smirk because he does not love too much lavender. But anyway, um, I like that one, too. Um, that, that is a lot of vegetables put in that pan. So you, you know, in your iron skillet. So you do want to, you know, be cognizant of that. There is a lot to stuff in there, but it will work. So are you using more like a 12, a 12 inch or? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Don't try and do that in an eight inch. It's just yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it does, it, 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 the chicken gives the, uh, the veggies, just a really nice flavor because you've got all that juice from the chicken in there. It's, it's a good one. Um, and then, you know, sometimes we do have some leftover chicken. Um, so I did like the brown butter sauce in that one. It was a little bit of a different way to go. Uh, it's not, it's not a real saucy pasta. It's just, uh, kind of lightly dressed with the, with the uh, brown butter sauce. So there you have it. Chicken three ways. And, um, more chicken to add to your repertoire, and I hope everyone enjoys them. Oh, I'm sure they will. <laughs> uh, okay, Breakfast in Five. This was a collaboration with the cookbook, the I Love My Air Fryer Five Ingredient Recipe Book by Robin Fields. And um, the this was, let's see, one, two, yep, three recipes. And there's blueberry scones, French toast sticks, and sweet and spicy breakfast sausage. I really liked this cookbook. And actually, um, I asked the staff if my family could keep it because we've been definitely cooking from it a lot. And um, we have an air fryer and we love it. Uh, but we liked how simple and fast all these recipes came together. And with all the kids going back to school or even just being in a working household or want breakfast quickly, uh, we focused on some breakfast items. So there was the scones, which were actually very tender and good. Um, there was an optional of adding the lemon zest to the dough, the batter, you know, dough for the scones, which really made it a nice burst of um, lemon with it. But then they mm-hmm. also included a glaze that was nice and um no, I thought they all turned out great and had good flavor with so few of ingredients. So my family enjoyed it. So <laughs> can't go wrong there. There's, you know, some hard critics in this house. That's well, <laughs> and all of these come in at 30 minutes or less. And exactly. mostly ingredients that you will have at home. I mean, 
Okay, maybe totally. you don't have blueberries, but they're they're not weird ingredients or anything like that. So they're very uh, approachable, um, commonplace things that you can pick up. And uh, and the French toast sticks, we actually just made those this week, and we didn't have Texas toast, but made it with regular bread, and it was you know even crispier, you know, mm-hmm. so it was very tasty even with regular mm-hmm. bread too. So there you go. <laughs> okay, wares pepper grinders. And, uh, John, anything you want to elaborate on or? Well, just, uh, here I am complaining about my age and all again. And I will say (laughs) that (laughs) I've grown used to and become dependent on, uh, electric, uh, pepper and salt grinders. One touch. (laughs) Yeah. Just let it, lift it, turn it, whatever it takes just to, uh, do it. Right. That said. Um, these are a really good selection of, uh, for the most part, with the exception of that Cuisinart, all manual uh, grinders. And you'll have to read through. Um, mm-hmm. I personally really uh, gravitate towards chunky, coarse ground pepper. I like getting a big pepper bite and things. So some of these are far better at doing that and others uh some of them that didn't make the cut i should say uh no matter what grind setting you had it on they were always really super fine to fine they they never got very uh, even up to the uh what is it, course ground or restaurant grind uh level so those weren't included but these all had pretty good adjustments and did a pretty good job of varying the size of the of the pepper grind itself that's my big thing is kind of the varying size that you want to when you turn the knob you want it and and maybe it's not the one turn but it has to be enough that if you do two turns or whatever that you're going to see a distinct difference and yeah and then definitely be able to get to the coarse ground and um yeah some things you, you know, not everything you want, like that coarse chunky, even though that's my preference right. most times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm also, you know, when you're trying to do a measurement or something or you're cooking and, and you just want to get stuff quick. So I'm just like, oh, coarse crown. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, get to my... just, just to uh, refer back, it, it worked out really nicely to have the, to work on the cacio e pepe. So sure. <laughs> yeah. And the Roman pastas. <laughs> Oh, let me try it with this one. Let me try it with this one. It's kind of like in our house where it's like, you got to turn it to the fine side when using it on the girls' food, and then you can make it a little bigger for, you know, can't see anything extra that's going to scare them. (laughs) Black is one of those colors in their food they don't like. Grilled hot dogs. Oh, boy. You got to be top rack kind of grilled. (laughs) oh they'll learn one day even the marshmallows it's like "Mm, too dark you can have it mom (laughs) (laughs) make it more burnt i want it all all dark (laughs) exactly you want it to mush if you're making s'mores you want it to have some char flavor that's what that's all about (laughs) Which we actually tried doing s'mores in the air fryer this week, too. So that was uh, wow. interesting. That is, is that interesting. interesting as in really messy or? <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. Surprisingly, no. So the marshmallows start to poof and they're not like sticky yet until you like pick them up. And, you know, if they move too much, it's kind of just like this like ball. And then you quickly put it on and it smushes down. Oh, that's wow. interesting. 
Yeah. Hmm. I thought it was going to be a disaster, but it actually was pretty cool. <laughs> cool. I am running, running right into class, and we did pretzel bread for class. And Robin took this on and did pretzel buns and rolls and then also some pretzel bites. So you pretty much use the same dough in terms yep. of ingredients and, and amounts and all of that for whether buns or rolls, it really just comes down to shaping and yep. how many you're dividing it into. And then yep. the bites, you you basically use the same recipe, but you you went back and kind of really uh, cut back. It wasn't just um, cutting it in half or something. You had to tweak it a little. It is the same recipe, if you will. The same ingredients are all there. Right. But you had to tweak the amounts because otherwise it just wasn't working right. out for the quantity but um they were fun to do they truly are it's a easy recipe it doesn't really take that long to do i mean it's bread so it used to bread so it does take a little bit of time it's kind of fun to do it's a lot like uh pretzels in that you have a water bath to do with them and you bake them so if you tried pretzels then be sure and try the pretzel bread i or mean bagels bagels that's what i'm trying to say call it the wrong well thing. it's same thing pretzel um, yeah. pretzel same thing both are the same yep yeah mm -hmm. yeah so it's fun it's fun to do um and i i thought it had a nice chewy texture um on the you know i enjoyed them and i liked the little ones too the little bites and they're really good dipped into some cheese sauce or fondue fondue exactly <laughs> So I was going to say fondue, and then we have all of those soups, too, and um, not going wrong anywhere. Right. <laughs> no, could be good on a sandwich, too. Yeah, I was going to say, and some of craft beer. Grab mm -hmm. some of that leftover craft beer and have a little pretzel bite, and you're good <laughs> to go. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. There you go. You're good to go. Well, and then speaking of grabbing something to drink, um, whether, okay, so if you don't want beer, you might want to make something with Fireball Whiskey. Maddie, you did uh, these drinks, and so uh, Fireball Whiskey was the um, common denominator, and you've got, it looks like a sugar and spice martini, spicy ginger cocktail, cinnamon hot chocolate, and warm apple cider with Fireball. Yes, and... Um, Fireball is one of those liquors that, you know, some people like and others do not. So if you like it, um, I was thinking of my mother-in-law for this because she loves Fireball whiskey. Um, so it was just fun to kind of think of some different ways. And, uh, we would always use it kind of in hot toddies or, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, that's kind of the martini was a fun little thing to try. Um, I'm not much of a martini person, but it was decadent and um, tasty, but the spicy ginger was something different because it was more like you think of cinnamon and chocolate or cinnamon and warm spices that this was kind of a um, putting it into a cold drink was kind of something I wasn't sure about, but uh, it ended up was refreshing and tasty and um, surprisingly good for me. <laughs> so, well, and Fireball is a huge um, tailgating. Um, yes. Uh, warm drink. the belly yeah so <laughs> that I'm looking at that apple cider and thinking that that could make its way onto many a tailgate um party <laughs> menus oh yeah 
Totally. Absolutely. And the hot chocolate, I was going to say too, oh. um, depending what kind of chocolate you gravitate to is obviously what you can use. Um, some of us on staff like more of the, um, not as sweet, so, but others like the milk chocolate. So it's kind of like, you know, half and half is good or whatever you kind of want to do. It's pretty, it's delicious either way. And I'm, I can't wait for people to tell us, um, or send us, uh, pictures or something of their cocktails at their tailgate. Come on, people. <laughs> there we go. That's right. <laughs> With your Kids sloppy joes and your cake. <laughs> <laughs> All about peppercorns. So this is just kind of an overview, talking about black peppercorns, white peppercorns, green peppercorns, and pink peppercorns, and really a kind of a, a little uh, greater focus on black peppercorn. Um, we talk about buying whole or ground. Uh, grinding your own spices or pepper especially it's it's one of those things that really does make a difference if you are used to buying um the shakers with pre-ground pepper do yourself a favor if if nothing else if you don't want to get a, a pepper grinder just get one of those um disposable plastic pepper grinders uh you can get them at costco you can get them at the grocery store now it really does it's a it's a world of difference really it's Pepper's going to taste like it's supposed to because it's fresher. Um, that stuff that's pre-ground and in a shaker is is really kind of stale, and it's probably been in your spice cabinet forever. So, um, but pepper, I remember my my grandmother was a great cook, but and as my dad always said, she had two spices: salt and pepper. <laughs> and really, if you have nothing else, that's what you want: salt and pepper. I would say. And so, um, so this was a nice lead into one in. Four ingredients, which was peppercorns, some seared pepper tuna with some green peppercorn hollandaise, and some black pepper ricotta pancakes with a lemonade glaze. Then there were some carrot fries and white pepper ice cream with dark cherry sauce. It would be hard to choose which of uh, my children here uh, <laughs> is my favorite uh-huh. uh, because they're they're each different, all quite different, and all pretty tasty in their own way. You know, I went back sort of a very classical kind of green peppercorn sauce for the tuna. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then uh, ricotta pancakes I've done before just with uh, strawberries and whatnot. But uh, to use the black pepper in there and get the good bite in there was really tasty. Well, and uh, as you had said, too, was a little bit of a play on lemon pepper the whole flavor combo, right? Correct. Yeah, with the the lemonade syrup, lemon, mm -hmm. lemonade glaze. Mm -hmm. So that really helps out. Um, as a good introduction, and you won't go, oh, this is crazy peppery hot. And that's true with the uh, carrot fries. It plays up a lot of the sweetness of uh, the carrots and the maple, the saltiness from the bacon, and then the peppercorns itself. Or and pepper, those, I should say. And those carrot fries are air fried. Correct. Yep. That worked out really nicely. Um, and then finally, the white pepper ice cream. I really wanted to do something exotic with this article, and that fit the bill pretty nicely. I was shocked at how much I enjoyed this. Um, it was really tasty. It it built. Now you wouldn't want to, you know, have a pint of this in one sitting. You wouldn't be, you know, Netflix and chill with this. So. Um, it, it sure. really is tasty, and it's more of a, a 
conversation starter and appetizer almost. And I, I will say that um, using unusual ingredients uh, in ice cream, I I keep finding that I really enjoy them. I've had uh, bay leaf ice cream um, within the past year or so. And then again, I hate to beat this, but uh, one of the uh, first place blue ribbon winners at the state fair uh, was with the uh, blue cheese? Maytag blue cheese was blue cheese ice cream. It took the, our first place on that. Okay. Um, and you wouldn't think, you know, blue cheese and ice cream, but it worked, it worked out really well. Um, well, you know, one of the things you said about the ice cream, I do think white pepper kind of builds a little bit more sometimes than black pepper. I don't True. know, um, but I think black pepper and cherry is a great combo together in and of itself. I mean, I like to put, like if I'm doing, kind of an elevated macerated strawberry on something, um, I will usually add a little bit of pepper either to the macerating or at, as I'm plating or something. Cause I think that combo, I think that little sweet with that little heat is, is a nice little tongue, tongue tingler. There you go. Absolutely. All right. I'm in and into faster with fewer mushrooms. As I said, they're really hot right now. First up is uh, mushroom steaks with a persiade. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, um, sauce, um, but that's basically kind of a parsley, lemon, garlic. And these are just um, king oyster mushrooms that are just trimmed and halved down the middle and then cooked in a 12-inch cast iron skillet. And, and then they just get beautifully browned. And, and I believe I weighted them just so you can get that. Well, it was more about trying to get these done in a certain amount of time and with the, with the caramelization that one wanted. But it, it's just really, it's got beautiful um, meatiness to it from a texture standpoint and great caramelization with the, um, the cooking and then the brightness from the persiad. I really like that. And I love the maitake there. Um, the idea was to do sort of a, a riff on a bloomin' onion. And so these are bloomin' maitake with a smoky aioli, which has a little bit of mayonnaise, garlic, scallion, and smoked paprika. There you go. A little salt and pepper. And this is one of those that you just keep pulling pieces of that off and yeah. eating it. It didn't last very long after photography. Let's just no. put it that way. <laughs> um and then the wilted Asian salad, pretty pretty basic. If you've ever had like a warm bacon dressing, that's sort of the idea here. Um, but roasting the um, mushrooms while you're kind of getting some other things done is a time saver. And then it's just kind of got a, a dressing with vinegar, brown sugar, Dijon, chili garlic sauce, which adds a little bit of heat and, and then adds some drippings into that. Um, so, and I always love a nice little mandarin orange. <laughs> Um, and then last but not least, I really loved the, um, the tacos, um, Mexican spice portobello, um, tacos with chipotle lime crema. So grilled the portobellos and then really it just came together with, um, some salsa and, um, sour cream, zest, lime juice, chipotle, adobo sauce, and some sugar. And so that's the crema. So that's the, dr the drizzle. I like a spicier salsa. So that's what... I used and um, and guacamole is going to bring a little bit more to the party, um, whether you make your own or 
buying a purchased guacamole. It has a little bit more flavor than just straight up um, avocado, but you could also just use that. I don't think there's meat in it, except for the wilted salad. I think there's some bacon in that, but I don't think there is any meat in anything else. I guess I will just kind of mention um, the correct way to clean mushrooms. Um, as a general rule of thumb, most commercial mushrooms are grown in a sterile environment. So a, a gentle wipe with a dampened paper towel or a light brush with a soft bristle brush is all that's necessary. Um, but if your mushrooms are particularly dirty or you have a lot of them, um, I had not done this, but um, when you are doing a lot of mushrooms, <laughs> it is worth considering. Um, give them a quick rinse under the tap just before using, then pat them dry immediately with a kitchen towel. Yeah, you don't want to do that way in advance. You want to do that right before you're using them. But yeah, if you know when you're making a lot of recipes and and you need a you need some ingredients, sometimes you just you want to do something more along this line as opposed to wiping them because that in and of itself probably takes the most amount of time. Um, moving out of uh, Q and A, our uh, ask editors into grand finale. Take it away. We've got the uh, apple tart with Fran Japan. We wanted to do a tart and apples very seasonal and um, kind of was trying to figure out a different way to do it. And it worked out great. It was has a frangipane filling that's like almonds, some sugar and flour, some butter and eggs and a little almond extract just to really give it even more almond flavor. Um, and I actually use some pink lady, uh, but you can also use honey crisp or a nice tart apple too. Um, sweet and tart, you know, it's just one of my favorite apples in general. Um, so you just thinly slice it and I've tried a few different ways of putting it on top. And what I found worked best was, um, just kind of shingling them in clusters all over just because it's kind of like, they're going to sink down a little, the frangipane's going to bake up, but, um, it's still going to turn out beautiful. And when it pops out of the oven, I kind of brushed a little, um, it was, I melted some jelly with some brandy and uh, Calvados is kind of an apple brandy from Normandy and, or the Normandy region in France. So um, another affordable option would be Pam's favorite or you, you've I used it before. My, I've used it before, but I also grew up near where it's, um, where the headquarters are and they grow, it's Laird's Applejack. So yes. it's just uh if you don't want to buy apple brandy, which I guess it is apple brandy, but it's a brand. It's Laird's Applejack. So More I don't. Affordable. I, yeah. And I, I don't know the actual designation between Applejack and apple brandy. Um, yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, and actually, even regular brandy would work as well. So it's kind of like, you know, no need to go buy it since it is a little amount. But if you have it on hand, um, it does add a nice little, you know, flavor mm -hmm. to it. Um, so then you just brush it all with that little apple brandy mixture and serve it up so it was it was tasty and pretty simple and you know were yes. you going to thank you john <laughs> were you going to say something about the brandy applejack or no no i i really wasn't but i, okay. I see we have a pronunciation guide on this and on it says Fran japan Fran japan <laughs> yes I saw that too. I was like, oh, there we go. I was looking for it as I was pronouncing it. And I'm like, I think it's, uh... well, yeah. As I say, I always, I, I regret the day that somebody puts a mashup of me mispronouncing foreign words all together. <laughs> I mean, just, it'll be really embarrassing. So, 
Uh, all right. Well, that brings us to the end. Um, another issue, um, hopefully in your mailboxes or in on your kitchen table or uh, in your kitchen. Um, I hope you're cooking from it. We are happy to have you along for the ride because we certainly enjoy what we do. And I would just say if you have any needs for inspiration or other recipes, go to cuisineathome.com. Follow us on um, Facebook and Instagram if you aren't already. Keep listening to Must Love Food because there will be more soon. Catch on the next episode. And thanks all of you here today for joining me. Bye-bye. Visit our site to learn about special offers, new products, and more for purchase. We offer live cooking seminars from pasta making and cast iron cooking to pie baking and stir frying techniques. Our special interest publications feature recipes centered around certain topics like feel-good food and slow cooker dinners. We also offer custom Cuisine at Home branded kitchen tools such as aprons, cutting boards, and bench knives. Shop all of our offerings at CuisineAtHome.com.